Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. You are loved, you belong, and you have a unique purpose from God. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here's today's message. Um, man, we're kicking off the Gospel of Luke today, a chapter of day with Dr. Luke. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, but Dr. Luke's going to lead us. He's a physician by trade. Uh, not a follower of Jesus Christ when he was alive, but then he wants to record the miraculous good news that Jesus brings freedom for any person and makes them brand new. So the gospel means good news, and Luke has meticulously encrafted as he's educated, well-informed, and he's, and he's getting informants and, 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 and input from eyewitnesses, and he's... And, and, Scripture is written this way. There's oral tradition, but they're not bound by the same chronological uh, writing patterns that we have today, such as, you know, historically accurate one, 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 one. It's got to be, you know, down to the dot the I's, cross the T's. They're, they're, they have a little bit more ambiguity, but the principles in what took place is what's centered, the themes, right? So Scripture does this. It describes, it's descriptive, but it's also prescriptive which means it on how to inform and live our lives. But the Bible is not an encyclopedia. So it's not, it's not just one-for-one uh, one that you can always find, a glossary, an index that you could get a, a word for every single moment, but yet it's alive and it's living and it's breathing. And what we most importantly always got to do when we're in the Scriptures is to w- understand what did this mean to them then, the original context, so we could uh, unpack the original audience, what would they have thought? And I don't know about you, but I, I, I didn't, I've never lived in Israel. And now I'm a couple thousand years removed from when Jesus was living, breathing there. But it's a continuation of, the God, of God's promise through Abraham and the covenant he's made, the Old Testament, and then moving progressively through the children of Israel that everybody gets in, no matter race, no matter how much money they got, and no matter what gender, that Jesus Christ can make all people brand new. And so the gospel of Luke is, is that. And I'm trying to hopefully provoke and awaken your excitement for Scripture. And not in a way that is feeling forced, but, but that is, it seems like Scripture is either two ways, right? Where you, you, you just want to experience God and you don't really care if you read the Bible that much as long as we get a feel today. And then there's over here, as long as it's just the Bible and I don't want to feel nothing because I want to make sure that my feelings aren't deceiving me, right? But I think there's a level of both and that we got to be in, that we don't, it, it, Ryan and I were talking this morning, who Ryan was up for the, uh, a couple videos there, so shout out to Ryan's video game, and he'll be up speaking next week. And Ryan, he has a, uh, a way of kind of the logos and the rhema. Is it, is it just God's word alone, but it's also alive? But maybe you have heard somebody say they have a rhema word from God for you, and it just didn't line up with scripture. Not cool. <laughs> Now, maybe you said some, you've been around somebody that just says scripture and God ain't moving through everything and anywhere at any time or person and he could speak through somebody's life. Not cool. But it's a both and, and it's always though, God never goes against his word. Why do we know this? Jesus quoted the Old Testament. So that's one of the strongest facts of what it means. So today, what we're about to do and why I'm so pumped is better than when we went to the moon. It's better than when an airplane was created. And we could travel all across the globe. Get this one. 
It's better. Married couples, it's better than all night sex. And if you haven't experienced sex yet, stay that way until God makes it better because he's got a vision for it. The world would pervert it and distort it. But today, I use that in even a way like, oh my gosh, Jesus said that? Yes, because this is better than any drug you've tried. It's better than anything. And what it is, is God's word. God's word. God's word. God's word. The scriptures, alive. City life. We got so much time for so much. What about a chapter a day? What about seeing Jesus in a fresh new way this month? That's what we're going to do. We're going to go to Luke chapter 1. And for that, I need five brave participants who would uh, be brave enough to come up here and help me read the scriptures. And I've got some uh, antiseptic wipes, uh, you know, to disinfect in between here, each person to honor and keep us as healthy as possible. All right, who's my five? Who do we got? Who's reading today? Who's reading today? Got Brian. Got Brian. I got Brian. I got Brian. I got whoever that is. I got whoever that is. I can't see that far. Okay. I got right here. And I got, and then, uh, who else do I got? I got, I got people, uh, 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 uh pointing to other people. Uh, online, you're going to get to do this. Married couple, I like that though. Thank you, Nancy, for making me feel good. Um, it's okay. I'm 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 okay with the inner. Uh, you're actually going to come up on stage, so we're going to get in a line, maybe use social distance for the sake of, uh, you know, your lives, and in here, and then here, uh, and then we'll just yeah, we'll just here. It'll be just like a little. I feel like I'm leading a kids' sports camp right now. And in just a moment, we're going to bounce the balls. Okay, I got four. I got four. Got Jeremy, and I need, I need a fifth. I need a fifth, a brave soul. I need a brave soul. I know I got Nancy. Thank you, Nancy. Well, they're quoting somebody. Oh, right here. I got, can you, okay. No, 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 nice to stay there. No, I knew I had you. Can, can, you, make your, can you make your way up? I want to make sure it's safe. If you need somebody to help, yep. Just take your time. All right, awesome. So in just a moment, each of you will read us, and the discipline here is this. I remember in 09, I was at a church, and uh, Blueprint Church, Pastor Dehati Lewis in Atlanta. Thank you for being brave enough. This is awesome. And just get right there. Yep, Jeremy, somewhere. And we'll, I'll cue you in just a moment. And when I was down there in Atlanta, and I heard Dehati Lewis, and he was like, hey, if you're looking for a church that has programs all week, you picked the wrong one. If you're looking for a church that just is going to meet in a church, I don't, we don't know where we'll meet next week. You picked the wrong one. He goes, but if you're looking for a church that, that wants to be on mission in every sphere of our lives, you might have picked the right one. And he goes, and one thing I want to warn you against is your devo where you read Scripture alone only because Scripture was read corporately and publicly with many around. And he goes, so I, I, would, I would caution people to just spend time with God alone because that's not what it's supposed to be. It's in community as we would have leaders, we would have each other, and we would rightly divide God's word. So what we're doing is a practice with ancient ways that should still take place today. But we don't carve out enough time, you know, read scripture. Uh, but it does something to our soul. So first thing I want to say is this. Even if you fumble, nobody cares. I, I, one thing I, I want to publicly say this, when I read scripture, it's very hard for me when I read it publicly to retain what I read. But when I listen to somebody else, it's easier, and then if I read it. So 
this is to give you an idea. You might think if I'm up here and I haven't said a bunch of ums that I know exactly. Well, that's why I got to study beforehand because when I read it out loud, I don't remember what I said. And that's just an invite us into this corporate experience today. So, Busher, if you come up first, say hi, and then make sure it's the right height. I'll get it there for you. There we go. Come on, we all know we've been in that crowd. And you'll, yeah, try to be close enough so the sound people love us. And you'll read verse 1 all the way through verse 24. Well, I mean, no, it's a long chapter. This is like... I think that might be the longest chapter in all of the book of Luke, and here we are. We got it on. Hold on. Did we turn that off? That's the big no-no. Hello. Oh. Okay, there we go. Hi, everybody. Um, Okay, many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. So it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know they certainly of the things about which you have been instructed. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous. To make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife as well along years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, The people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. When they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary, he was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. You said 24, right? Yeah, that's 23. 23? Yeah, 20. 
Could just read the rest of the slide for us? That'd be cool. Thank you. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Awesome. Thank you. Brian, you're going to read 26 through 38. So the next, next stanza kind of break up here. Oh, sorry. I got you. Mic control. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then I'm going to hook you up. All right. Look at that. Right there. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee call, called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. Thank you, Brian. What's that? Wade, that's right, Wade. Wayne. Wayne? Okay, that's right, Wade. <laughs> W-A-Y-N. Yeah, there we go, like uh, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. There we go, you're in the game. Uh, I reference everything as DC or Marvel, so that's just how yeah. life works. All right, so you're going to be in, you'll be at 37 <coughs> through 56. Okay. 37 through 56. Hold on, let me get that better for you. Boom, right there. Thank you. And this is the sixth month for who, for her, for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will be called blessed. Because the Mighty One has done great things for me, 
and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation. And, I, excuse me, on those who fear him, he has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy. To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Mary stayed with her about three months. Then she returned to her home. Thank you. It's all good. She said, I've never done this before, but I think that's so brave to come up here, huh? Somebody else is like, oh, God chose you today. That's what I love about it. Thank you for being brave. And look, just be you, no pressure, have fun, but say your name. My name is Kadera Jackson. Kadera Jackson, thank you. And you'll read, sorry, let me get this for you. You will read, we're at... Okay, you'll read through the stanza, the birth and the naming of John. So 57 through 66, 66 is where we'll end. Okay. Now, now, the time has, now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbor and relative had heard that the Lord has showed her his grace, mercy, and they rejoiced with her. When they came to, oh, this one right here. Circumcised. When they, yeah, they'll switch it. When they came to. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zachariah. Zachariah, after his father. But his mother responded, no, he will be called John. Then they said to her, none of your relative has that name. So that, so they monitored to his father and find out what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a written tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. Fear came on all of those who loved around, lived around them. And all these things were being talked about throughout the hill, the hill country of Judah. All of all who heard about him took it to took it to heart, saying, What then will this child become? For indeed the Lord hand was with him. Awesome.
Let me get this one a little higher for you, Jeremy. I appreciate that. And last, Jeremy, you'll complete us in the chapter. It will get to verse 80. Sweet. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us, he has dealt mercifully with our ancestors and remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant that we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies would serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all of our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew up and became strong in spirit. He was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, volunteers. I just realized I forgot to uh, uh, sanitize the mic in between, so I apologize before all, and that was not my goal, but I got lost in the moment. The Eminem song was in the background in my mind, which is lose yourself in the moment, and I did that. And I do apologize. We are also reading in the Christian Standard Bible for those wondering. Um, last week we talked about which Bible translation. Yes, all of them. And we will then now kind of go to some commentary. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. There'll be a few parts of the passage we highlight. But I want to uh, invite yourself to, to, to discover more later. It will take time. And over time, as you learn more about Scripture, sometimes you'll find yourself even with more questions. And I think that's the beautiful mystery of this powerful word that's teaching us, transforming us, but also leaves us with, hey God, show me. So a spirit living through us, teaching us, and guiding us in the day. And right out the jump, the Luke's gospel is part of what is known as the synoptic gospels that there's similar themes with matthew and not as close related but matthew and luke but also mark and they wonder how in the world is there continuity between those that are so similar and thematically crafted to tell the storyline of jesus and it, some would say the the q source which is an out, that there was an outside document that must have been around in circulation that they all used to help curate and form and shape and record these Gospels. And that John's Gospel is kind of on the, the outside and a little different, and John's writing it from his perspective to, to illuminate different portions of who Jesus is. And so all of these Gospels together show us the one Gospel that is about Jesus Christ. And I remember I didn't know that for about 12 years in. And then when I first heard it, I'm like, why didn't I know that? Because there's so much to unpack. It's a lifelong study. It's a lifelong journey. And right out the jump, Luke 1, 
once, as many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us. So Luke's goal is to say this. God of the beginning, the story that he's writing through all of Israel, it's now been fulfilled in such a way that I've taken time to even put my profession aside that I want to devote my life to making sure the good news are recorded. And then later, you can uh, look up more of how Scripture was canonized and affirmed as, uh, that this is how God has revealed himself to us, but that it's still moving forward, that he's using me and you today, that it translates to them then, but yet it somehow comes alive to us here now. And then going down to verse 3, it says that this is being written to Theophilus. Theophilus is a ruler. And if you were with City Life during the Acts series this year, the power of the Holy Spirit through the Acts of God, and that the Gospel of Luke and Acts are both written by Luke, and they're one story of what Jesus began to do and what Jesus continued to do by his Spirit. So Jesus began to do, and that's what he's recording here to Theophilus at both people, but that it wasn't just to Theophilus as you study and you kind of extract what's in, and you could study just one word, Greek, and then go back, and and it starts to come alive, and then do a word study, and next thing you know, you're seeing how there's cross-references, and it's so fun. And then sometimes you think, well, how much is enough? Well, just reading the verse of the day can be more than enough. You know, open up your phone. What's the Bible verse of the day? But then there's seasons where you're lifting a lot and you're in a lot of text and you're just sitting with the Bible and some commentary and with some people and you're just asking questions. And it's yes, it's both. But to Theophilus was not the only intent that Luke wanted. Luke wanted this to get out to everyone so that it wouldn't just be for him, but him through royalty was just saying, hey, look, Jesus who came lowly. He's the one. And if you're ruling, you got to know about him. And then verse 4 says, so that you may know the certainty of things about which you have been instructed. And instructed there is also translated taught. And have anybody ever heard of catechism? You know, catechism, right? Sunday school. This is where that comes from. To be taught in the scriptures, in the text. And I got this big, crazy thought. God's big enough to handle your questions, my questions, and our critiques. And one of the first things that happened to me as I was getting taught by God is I realized I'd been plagiarizing God for a really long time. I got introduced to the Wu-Tang Clan at like 14 years old. Loved it. They call everyone gods and what up, God? What up, God? And we love the the 36 Chambers had a friend text me this week, tell me you're still about it. He sent me the 36 Chambers album. He goes, this is what brought us all together. Don't ever forget it, you know? I was like, yeah! That's how much it was a part of our life. It was influencing us. But then we started saying, hey, we're gods, and we start thinking, and what do you think, God? What do you think, God? What do you think, God? Yes! Some truth in there that we're made in the image of God, but we are not God, and we need to be taught by God because I might be plagiarizing God and not giving credit to him and stealing some of his glory. So this is why I think and I feel aren't just enough. I don't really want to know at the end of the day what I think and what I feel. I want to know what God thinks and what he feels. 
That's why the validity of the text and the power of the Spirit comes alive to instruct us. And that chapter 1 here is being crafted in a way to show how God of the universe stepped in through the institution of the church. That is Zechariah. This is his big moment. Priest getting this big moment to come in and offer on behalf of the people. This big moment. And then he leaves speechless. He can't even talk because God's about to do a new thing. But it wasn't just the new thing. It was tied to the old thing because it was always one thing, the good news of Jesus. And what Luke's beginning to show us here in chapter 1 is that, man, look at how Jesus shows up. One of the hardest challenges as we go through this text and we get eventually, you know, there's angels revealing themselves real and to Zechariah. And you see in verse 19, skipping down there, the angel answered him and said, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Wait, what? And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this, what? Good news. Friend, this challenged me. Because sometimes when I'm out there talking to people, I might have been in the presence of God in my car, but when I talk to them, I don't come with a posture and a tone that it's good news. I might see bad behavior, and I want to rebuke, correct. I might see darkness and say, "Mm." you might get a righteous anger. It's okay to be angry, but to be angry and sin not. You might see somebody that believes something different than you. You know the things that make your spirit kind of unsettled, you wrestle. Well, Gabriel, there's only, in Scripture, there's two angels that are called by name that we know that reveal themselves still with God, and besides the fallen angels, and you have Lucifer and all that, which sometimes we, when you hear about Lucifer and the fall, how the fall that, that isn't even in the bulk of the text. We, there's a level of mystery of how that took place. So we sometimes take one verse, one chapter, one theme, and we expound on it that we think it's all in all of the 66 books, and it's not. But what is in the 66 books is this, a story of God rescuing people, people that are enemies, that are dead in sin, that are all walking in grave clothes, that through Jesus Christ is going to show up on the scene. And an angel sent by God. When angels are sent and they're of God, they will never steal glory from God. They will always bring good news. Now, there is a level of, you see prophetically, that there's warnings and even here's about what's going to take place but it's because that they didn't repent and now here comes jesus stepping in with grace trying to get people to wake up and as this shows up god had there's what's known as like the the dark ages or the period there's a uh where god is silent he hasn't spoke through prophets for 400 years and here is now coming up on the scene when it seemed so unlikely seemed completely Void of hope of where is the Messiah? Tell me the Messiah is going to come in power. Well, this is what Gabriel's being sent to do. Gabriel and Michael, the angels, the only t- two we see named. And what this starts to do is then uh, uh, show us that it, beyond what we see, is there's something happening, you know? There's something happening. He says, now listen, you'll become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which had been fulfilled in their proper time. He's just saying, hey, whoa. I'm about to do the new thing, God says. 
this new thing that's going to come through Jesus. Then Gabriel predicts Jesus' birth. And Mary gets chosen for a mystery of reasons. Do we worship Mary? Look, I'm not here to build something on what we're against, but it does seem conclusively and objectively that it's all about Jesus, and it's not about Mary. Now, Mary is to be honored. Are you kidding me? There's a reverence and a mystery of why in the world God chose her and she's favored, but yet it's not. Jesus didn't even make it about him. He was always making it about the Father's mission too. So real prophets, real preachers, real everyone should never take the glory but always be pointing up. That's a good filter for any of us. Is there a middleman? Now, you might see me on stage and want to be like, oh, man, Jerome's got a deeper relationship with God. Hey, look, don't get it twisted. If you know Jesus Christ, you've got the same access I have. There's no middleman. God gives leaders to empower the body of Christ. Y'all still with me? He gives leaders. I didn't get any. Yes? Y'all still with me? You still with me at home? He gives leaders to empower the royal priesthood that's inside of you. That you're sons and daughters. No matter your background, no matter where you come from, that you are royalty. That's what a pulpit should be used for. To instruct, of course, and to teach and correct. But ultimately to empower the temple that now is not only in the building, but it's in the people that he's building in the power of the Holy Spirit that has come upon us. So Mary gets this uh, angelic encounter, and then she conceives <laughs> a child by the Holy Spirit. The triune God, the Holy Spirit. Wait, what? Now, this seems to be uh, so hard to believe. And I would say this. If we needed to be debated into the faith will probably never fully convert. There is a lot of evidence for our faith. Tons. I would hold the position that there's the most evidence in a Christian faith other than all other worldviews. Because all other worldviews have a measure of faith. Don't you remember as a kid, they even changed the science of the food pyramid. <laughs> I mean, Science is constantly even saying, trust us. But science, by definition, is saying, no, here's what the evidence and here's what the experiments controlled and variables, here's what it's saying. But ultimately, it's always consistently showing that there's order and science is to be regarded as beautiful. I never think it works contrary to God. But at the same time, there's like a low level of measure of faith to say, I believe in science. Me too. I believe in God. Me too. There's a measure of faith. So, so our faith is not without evidence. But our faith is this, okay? And when we're going to get to a place where we just kind of worship. We just put it all to a side in a minute. And we're going to put it on the shelf. And, here's, and, and, and this is the on-ramp to that. Is our faith, it, though it is very calculated, there's tons of evidence. God doesn't need to prove himself he's already done it just go outside and look at the world but yet he's humble enough and loves us enough that he becomes lowly through jesus and then we get so hung up like well how could mary be conceived with the holy spirit how could she bear a child well my favorite uh kind of rebuttal to that is this the fact we exist is a greater miracle that one of us could be conceived by a divine, have, conceive a child through a divine creator, and that one of us resurrected from the dead. So here would be 
I guess, the pitch for this month. Luke 1 today, yeah. Luke 2 tomorrow, 3. Read a chapter a day. But ultimately, the real question is going to be this. Who is Jesus to us? Because when you experience Jesus and the resurrected power of him in the cross and the grace of God, there's a lot of proof then to follow sometimes, or maybe there's proof that will take away some of these roadblocks, but it's always going to come to a place of faith. And I think the fact that we even exist requires more faith than one of us could have resurrected. And I think it makes sense to my soul that, that we needed a Savior. And that's what's taking place. Chapter 1, he's recording we need a Savior. A Savior from what? A Savior from sin. And worship team, if you guys could come up front, because we're going to end with grave clothes. And the grave clothes song is neat because I don't know if you and I saw us or see us as this, walking dead people if we aren't made new in Christ. But we do learn that we're dead in sin, apart from Jesus Christ making us brand new. And what's interesting about that is a lot of times we've got to come to the end of ourselves to realize we need help. But then God saves us and he gives us an opportunity to now be led by a good master, a perfect one. The one who created us, Jesus. And so the chapter today that we read, and go back and revisit it. But Mary's praise, you know what she does? And this is what's so neat. If you guys could kind of just play a little bit behind me. But when her praise begins at verse 46, look at this. I want to read this because we're about to sing, right? It says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Look, Mary's praising because she encounters God. Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now all generations will be called, will call me blessed. And this is where you see, like, she's blessed. Why? She's blessed because Jesus in her. Because the mighty one has done great things for me. Who? God. The point is about God. And his name is holy, not me. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied, satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Here's what one of the commentaries puts it, the Reformation study guide. This song of praise called the Magnifica from its opening word in Latin is revolutionary in its concern, hear, hear this, concern for the poor and the despised of this world and its rejection of the rich and the proud. One of the greatest nuggets in the takeaway today is this. God steps up on the scene to do this new thing through Jesus Christ using Zechariah, using then John born, using Mary and Jesus and all of the other surrounding characters. But the main character that's on the scene is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is why Luke's writing to Theophilus, trying to get this message spread across the whole world to let them know there's good news. Why? Because Jesus cares about unlikely people. Jesus cares about the poor. Jesus cares about those that are oppressed. And God is about to give the kingdom to those that are forgotten. 
God is about to replace grave clothes with grace clothes and God is about to cover us with his mercy and that those whom the son set free is free indeed that's why Luke is now devoting his life to pen this and saying yeah I'm a physician by day but man I hope the good news transforms people and I just pray today that we don't just read but we experience who Jesus is who is Jesus to us today who is he to us today You don't have to finish maybe that thought. Maybe you don't know. Come on, let's take this journey together. 24 chapters. (laughs) The next 24 days. And I think you'll see that Jesus is so beautiful and he's worth, worth everything. So friend, if you know Christ, man, our song and our praise should be the loudest. Let Mary show us what that looks like. Man, God, to you be great. You took these grave clothes and you gave me grace clothes. And if you don't know Christ today, and speaking to you at home as well, the beautiful thing is this. You don't have to wear those grave clothes any longer because our mistakes can never, never override God's grace. God's grace is here to make us brand new. If we just receive that, believe that in our heart, confess it with our mouth, Jesus saves us and he makes us brand new. And then he teaches us as a good master and a good teacher would do to show us what the Torah and how that is lived out and fleshed out. And that's much more than we can unpack in this moment. So what I want to do right now is let's put our thinking, let's put our understanding not to the side that we don't care about it, but maybe just, just ask today, man, God, who are you? I believe he'll show himself real as we worship right here, right now. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. To get connected, learn more, and invest financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.